Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. It's Doug and Tug over here. Bug is not with us once again. You know, work things happen. I'm just saying I'm getting better at this. It's the closest it's ever been to on time, so we're we're doing good. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we have the start of training camps. We have the start of Hard Knocks. I don't know if we want to talk about any of that. Bro, Danny um, Campbell is a monster. Correct. We have some weird stuff happening in the business side of college football, as usual. Um, and we have an AFC division to review and a whole nother conference to review. This is going to be another loaded episode. Hope you guys are strapped in. Before we get started, though, I do want to say that the greatest athlete of all time has just retired. I hate you. Why? I don't know if she, she's a fantastic, probably the goat that's ever played tennis, but I don't know if we could call her the greatest athlete ever. I don't know. We're talking about 23 Grand Slam titles. Another 14 titles in women's doubles. We are, of course, talking about Serena Williams. Her sister Venus did not retire and is still playing. Also has 14 women's doubles titles. <laughs> it's amazing. It's almost like they play together. Weird. And, ha- and have their entire life. Serena spent 319 weeks as the number one tennis women's tennis player in the world. That is a long time. That's a lot of weeks. Yeah, but I didn't know that. But if you're talking pure athleticism, I don't know. I think there's some other people I'd go for. I don't know. Probably definitely Tom Brady, that athletic physique. No, I was thinking, let's keep this the way it is. (laughs) I was thinking Carly Lloyd. Oh, there we go. Now we're talking. Um, (laughs) See, it's football related, but kind of not. Alex Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who's our beach volleyball team that wins gold every? Oh, uh, Misty. Uh, Misty. Mm-hmm. Trainer. I think. Yeah, that's why I keep thinking and... of her partner Sue. That was Carrie. I have no idea. Oh, you're right, Carrie Walsh. Carrie Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once every four years when we watch beach volleyball. I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> That's that's great. Uh, I do have to say, though, uh, Serena Williams is married to the co-founder of Reddit, so we have a shot, boys. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I love it. Uh, but we have a lot of news. Let's get started. <laughs> All right, let's jump right on into it. Uh, for those of you that have not heard out there, I want you to know your quarterback is the greatest thing ever. He's playing the best football you've ever seen. Uh, Your offense is clicking on all cylinders, and your defense never misses a snap. Um, Okay, yeah, so it's just training camp news. Uh, (laughs) Yep. And and, and it's true. Like, I hate to say this, but everything you ever hear out of training camp is all positive stuff. If you're hearing negative stuff, that speaks really poorly of your team. Uh, But there's really not much to go off of here because, well, everyone's playing the best football they've ever seen because it's not a live game. And they're in the best shape of their life. However, there is actual good news coming out of camp for the Ravens, uh, at least on two of three fronts. First off, the GOAT, 
the true goat. Don't give me this. Tom Brady's the goat. The true goat. Justin Tucker just signed an extension. You just almost call him Justin Kicker. <laughs> no, I I don't know why I stuttered there, but I did. Uh, Justin that was, Justin the kicker Tucker uh, gets a four year extension. <laughs> and my oh my, is this a massive deal for a kicker? Uh, even if you did just set the NFL record for longest field goal. Um, Four-year extension, $24 million, 17 and a half guaranteed to do nothing on Sundays but go out there, remind your offense they failed, kick for three points, tell the offense they succeeded, kick for one point, and then after all of those, just kick some additional long kicks for fun. It keeps him as the highest-paid kicker in the NFL. He was the co-highest-paid kicker in the NFL. Uh, as of a couple of months ago when Chris Boswell signed an extension. So in division two with the Steelers got four years, 20 million. So Justin Tucker had to get four years, 24 million. I I mean, I'll be the one to ask why is Chris Boswell getting paid that much? He wasn't, he hasn't been that consistent. Like when you're paying Justin Tucker, not only are you getting long kick, not only are you getting accuracy, the ideal situation for a kicker, but you're getting consistency up there too. And that, that can't be overstated to do what he does as consistently as he does is worth the 24 mil. It's unfair to compare Justin Tucker and Chris Boswell though, because Justin Tucker is the most accurate kicker in NFL history and nobody is as consistent as he is. Okay. But you, but the, the Steelers just did compare Chris Boswell to Justin Tucker by paying him the same amount. I guess fair. The other good news out of the Ravens camp is J.K. Dobbins is finally off the pup. Full participant in practice, ready to go, should be ready to go week one. I'm assuming he's not going to play in the preseason. Something tells me the Ravens learned their lesson. Uh, but this is absolutely massive news for them to get their, their star running back back. And you, as an Ohio State fan, I'm sure you're happy to see him come back and ready, ready to return with a vengeance uh, in I... 2022. I cannot wait to watch J.K. Dobbins play. Same, dude. He is the linchpin of my dynasty team right now, so I am right there <laughs> with you. Uh, on the negative side for, for Baltimore, though, is uh, Gus Edwards is expected to be doubtful uh, for week one. Now, one thing to note is because they were put on the pup prior, or Gus Edwards was put on the pup prior to training camp, I don't think he has to wait those eight weeks that if you put them on like starting week one or once you start training camp. So he can, he should be able to play as soon as he's ready to go. Uh, I forget how that pup rule works with these guys that were designated right before the start of training camp. Well, I think that's changed recently too, though, right? Cause IR is not the same anymore either. No, that's true. I don't know what it is anymore, I, but I just, I would have to look it up. I think you're right though. There is no time restriction now because of how they did. I will say that if if the Ravens can get them both back and they're even 80% of what they were expected to be last year, that might be one of the best running back rooms in the NFL. I mean, they certainly have the depth for it now. Well, maybe. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Knock on wood. In our other major training camp headline uh, that you see every year, it seems at this point, uh, Kareem Hunt is no longer happy in Cleveland. They're not paying him because, well, he's the number two running back 
and he wants to be paid like a number one running back. So he's not happy. He's asking for out. He's requested a trade. The Browns have denied it. Um, <laughs> man, what's your take on this? The problem for Kareem Hunt is Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the league. I mean, legitimately, we're talking about one of the top five running backs, which is insane yeah. to say because there are some crazy talented running backs out there. I don't know a room where he is guaranteed a starting job immediately. To be honest with you, he gets put in the rotation instantly at yeah. almost every team. But where is he guaranteed number one reps all the time? So one thing I'm going to highlight here is typically we're looking at running back by committees everywhere now. Right. But right. Th those few areas that aren't right. Those few teams that aren't Tennessee is one of them. Uh, Tennessee is the name brand of the ones that aren't, by the way. Um, the reason is, is they have the combination running back in Derrick Henry. They've got the guy who can power down your throat if he needs to, but also beat you on the outside. But prefers not to be a power running Cor back, honestly. Yeah, correct. Even though he has the size to do it very well. And, and where I'm going with this is Nick Chubb is almost a young version of that. He's got the same ability. Maybe not to the same level, but he's got the same tendencies, the same running style as as Derrick Henry. And that's that makes it tough for Kareem Hunt, who is a true smaller running back, who is a receiving back out of the backfield. Sure, but I would say they both, in Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, have the same limitation. That they're not very good pass catchers out of the backfield. Correct. That was the role that Kareem Hunt filled for the most part, in and, addition and still to being will. a really good running back. Yep. So your other options at running back there, to Ernest Johnson, is a poor man's version of Nick Chubb, which is a great thing to have at your third-string running back. Yep. But it's not a good thing to have as your quote-unquote change of pace back when they have the same pace. Uh, your other guy that was supposed to be on that roster this year, uh, Jakeem Grant, in the kind of the hybrid role, a little bit out of the backfield, a little bit out of the slot, all sorts of things. They're I didn't see the reports out of camp. Yeah. He's he's hurt now. Yeah, I don't he's think out. He's, he might be out for the whole season. He he is. I've seen the confirmation. He has torn his Achilles. He's out for the season, uh, I mean, which is devastating. Brutal. I love Jakeem Grant. Dude's a fantastic that's wide brutal. receiver. So the that, only guy you have on roster who does what Kareem Hunt does is Kareem Hunt. Which, which is, is why they're not routes. letting him. Yeah. Right. So I don't know how that's going to work out. But I would expect next offseason, maybe they sign two or three versatile backfield pieces behind Nick Chubb, and maybe yep. they're of a lesser caliber now, but you get somebody who can fill that role. Absolutely. In other trade request news, uh, after we have just spent all this summer talking about Roquan Smith saying he might be the best linebacker in the NFC North, uh, he too has requested a trade, and I would say his is arguably more so. Uh, now part of me wants to call, call bug out here and say, this is what you get for making fun of me and, and talking down on Xavier Howard last year. But at the same time, it's a little different because Roquan Smith's coming off his rookie contract. He's playing at top of his position level and the bears just aren't offering him anything useful. Uh, so he has publicly requested a trade. However, it is worth it to note that that seemed more like a plea to bears ownership rather than bears management uh it looks like he's trying to go get a deal done with uh, virginia mccaskey herself at this point uh man i hope they get it done he seems to really love chicago 
Uh, he loves the heritage there. He loves the history. I, I hope they get a deal done. I hope he stays home, but I, I can't blame him on this. Like you, especially as a linebacker, your career is so short that you need to get your bag when you can. And I can't fault him on it. Based off the wording of the release, based on all that we know right now, it looks like I would say even Roquan himself would agree. It's probably like 75%. He still stays in Chicago. Yep. If not more, but yeah, there needs to be some real negotiations here. All right. Moving on down our list. Doug, it has gone through the state of Arkansas now owns the Denver Broncos. Uh, you can make sure to stop by the Walmart inside Mile High Stadium at any point. Uh, but the deal has been complete. Uh, Rob Walton and all of his investors have completed a $4.65 billion acquisition of the Broncos. Rob's going to be the principal owner. His daughter, Carrie Walter, uh, Walton Penner, and son-in-law, Greg Penner, will, most, will be the most heavily involved in the day-to-day operations. And then there's a slew of minority owners out there, which is absolutely fantastic to see. Although, as you pointed out, our friend Serena from earlier in the show uh, was the first minority owner of an NFL team in being a part owner of the Dolphins. That's not what my minority owner means, but okay. I, You know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. But yes, minority, minority owner owners mean... Who is a minority. <laughs> Correct. Hey, let me roll with it. It sounded good until you called me out on it, okay? Yeah, uh, but we're, you know. we're talking the likes of Melody Hudson. Uh, that's George Lucas's husband. Uh, George Lucas's <laughs> wife. <laughs> oh, God. Who's let me do this? Um, well, she Sir, is the one who wears the pants. Sir Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Condoleezza Rice. And then Peyton Manning. The door is still not closed. I don't know if that's just a wishful hope from the Denver fans uh, or if there's actual traction to it. But now hey, Peyton Manning. Deal... Now that the deal is final, I would say it's much less likely. Yeah. Though it is definitely still possible that Peyton Manning gets a piece of the Broncos. And that's just been... That's been a rumor for I, as long as he's been retired. So I don't know what's going to happen. Dude, I don't know. That, that feels dirty to me. I feel like if Peyton Manning were to own an NFL team, it should be the Indianapolis Colts. That's just me. Like, everyone seems to remember that he played for the Broncos, and everyone forgets they played for the Colts when he played the vast majority of his career for the Colts. Yeah, Lucas Oil is the house that Peyton built. So, yeah. I know. I agree with you. I agree. We'll see what happens. I doubt Peyton Manning's really going to own any piece of any NFL team in the near future, but, you know. <laughs> All right, man. We have a new stadium name out in the AFC North. Um, I'm half tempted to let you run with this just because you had fun with it. So go ahead. Get, break the news, man. What you thinking? Here's the problem. I did not have fun with it. <laughs> um, I have a very love-hate relationship with stadium naming deals. I understand why they exist. And it's fine, I guess. I <laughs> just, man. How are you going to call your stadium Paycor Stadium? And in division, you have Acrisure Stadium now. Like all these terrible generic names. This is so brutally stupid. 
I, I, I man, I understand why they did it. They need the money to give Joe Burrow like eight hundred million dollars in a signing bonus. They gave him the entire stadium naming rights deal, essentially, for the sake of him staying with the team. That's, that's the way business works now in the NFL. That's not the way the salary cap works, though. It definitely is, actually. If you throw it all in signing bonus, it basically doesn't even count. Oh, that's fair. Um, yeah, it's yeah. So, I, so for I, I love society anymore. I love it. So, for those missing uh, the the news here, uh, Paul Brown Stadium, formerly Paul Brown Stadium, is now Paycor Stadium. Uh, and, and I'm with Doug here. Like, give me something cool. Like, I don't know. It's it's tough, man. But you're right. They need the money. It's, it's not even the Bengals. It's not the Bengals' fault. No, not right? at all. It's Paycor's fault for picking such a weak-ass name. Get a better company name, and I would be okay with this. <laughs> you know what the worst part is, you being a UPS, UPS guy? You know that after about 10 years, everybody knowing what UPS is, if they had a naming rights deal, somebody would start calling it Ups Stadium, and nobody oh, would question gosh. it. No, I don't think so. I doubt that. But uh, I don't know. I don't put anything past anybody anymore. <laughs> I will say I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna make fun of the Commanders here because I can. But I still remember back when we were younger, and Chief Brother doesn't came out, and FedEx was a way of making fun of the youngest kid. And then the Washington Commanders go out and sign a deal with FedEx to have FedEx Field, and they've just been a hot joke ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Stadium naming rights are really Brutal. exciting. I love it. I love it so much. All right, man. I'm going to pass it off to you. You got college our, news? You ready to go? Our, our economy is so solid. So good right now, isn't it? It's just the best we've ever seen. But it's, hey, but it's not a recession. <laughs> why did, why did uh, you change the definition of a recession, sir? I... And I'm not even, I didn't even bring up the word. I don't know what that means. But oh, I, I'll have to show you the it. quote. I'll have to show you the quotes after. No, I'm aware of what you're talking about, but this is a football show, sir. Sir, this is a Wendy's. You were the one that brought the economy <laughs> up. <laughs> anyway, we got, we got college news. Um, so we have to start with the sad stuff because I want to get to the fun stuff. And I'll feel bad talking about fun stuff first. So... Shasta the sixth has passed away. If you don't know who that is, that is the University of Houston's live cougar mascot. Um, which is really awesome. I love that. He was 11 years old. He stayed at the Houston Zoo. He was a rescue when his mother was poached illegally in the state of Washington. And yeah, that's the first live mascot they've had in a very long time. For understandable reasons, you don't really want cougars around people normally. So, well, Shasta the Sixth was held within the Houston Zoo, so it is possible. I know it. I mean, it might be a while before we get a Shasta Seven, though. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, Shasta Five died in 1989, so it's been a while. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we lost. We lost Shasta Six. That's. It's brutal. It's brutal. Right as Houston's getting ready to enter the Big 12, it was a new era. 
in Houston football, and Shasta the sixth cannot be around to see it. I'm, I was just going to say, I'd take a live cougar over a live longhorn any day. So I want to see them go at it. Right. I would I would pay good money to see Shasta eating whatever their steer's name is. It's probably <laughs> straight up dumb. on the field. I was going to say, it's probably something dumb like Austin. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and there go all of our news. Texas followers. Other sad news of uh, Sam Hartman is out indefinitely quarterback for Wake Forest. He was very fun to watch last season. Actually made that Wake Forest offense like one of the best in that conference for sure. And this is really tough to see. It's a non-football medical issue. I, yeah, it's that's really tough. I hope he's okay. I hope he can come back at some point because um, he was he was very fun to watch. I I hate to say this, but we all know what that sounds like. I don't want to get into it. Um, we all know exactly what that sounds like. And I like you said, I hope he's okay. I hope everything's fine. I hope he gets through it and that uh, we see him back out in the field here soon. I don't want to jump to conclusions. We'll see. I know. That's why I'm not highlighting it, but we all know what it sounds like. Um. So Wake Forest is not in the top five of the coaches poll <laughs> after that news. <laughs> this coaches poll pissed me off, by the way. The coach poll is what it is. Um, you were looking at the ESPN FPI poll. You got really mad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we won't even talk about that one. But uh, the coaches poll, we have the top five here. Uh, Alabama, of course, Ohio State. Georgia. Of course. The top three makes sense. That's kind of the order everyone's going to have them at the beginning of the year for obvious reasons. Those probably are the best three teams in the country in terms of pure talent and coaching. Uh, number four, for some reason, though, is Clemson. And number five, for some reason, is Notre Dame. Neither of those make sense to me. I also have no idea who I would have put four and five. <laughs> so, I'm so. Looking at, I'm looking at four and five here going – all right, Clemson, I don't know if they've got the talent, but I also know that I'm probably the only Dabo naysayer out there, uh, just like I'm the only Troy Calhoun naysayer out there. I'm a Dabo uh, hate-sayer, but not a naysayer. That all being said, I'm wondering if, if Clemson is carried by Dabo's reputation in the in the college yeah, football probably, world. Probably. Notre yeah, Dame. Have, here's the thing, though. Clemson really does have good talent. It's just a matter of they usually don't have very good depth. And when one of their pieces doesn't work, it really bites them in the ass. So like DJ Uyunglele, when he didn't play up to the level everyone expected last year, well, they didn't perform as well as everybody expected they would. So they still won 10 games, which is great, but it's not number four in the country. Now, Notre Dame is the one that surprises me, though, because you've got a new coach. You've got a young roster because that roster is it's it's got some talent, but overall that is a young roster, right? So Notre Dame being that high surprises me, and dude, I heard you. That only makes you excited even more for the Week One matchup. I mean, if that's actually a top five matchup in Week One, that'd be so great. Notre Dame's coming to the shoe Week One. Oh, I want it, want it in my veins. <laughs> Let's go. 
But now that you said it, I, I have to I have to give Ben. We made fun of Ben last week, so now I need to give him some props. Bro, I was furious for him when I saw the ESPN FPI index and had Tennessee at 25. Look, I don't care. I probably still put Vanderbilt over Tennessee, and that's saying something. Like <clears throat> Well, you know what? Uh the Big Ten has done ESPN the first time in 40 years. ESPN will never be able to error a Big Ten game with the new media contracts. And that means I'm done talking about them too. So I'm not gonna even acknowledge what Hell, your point was there. Yeah. Great transition, past, my dude. Moving past them suckers. And we're talking about Fox, CBS, NBC, and apparently Apple too. So here's the deal. The Big Ten got um paid a lot of money. <laughs> Uh, this deal will go into effect. Seven hundred. I believe. Mil. I believe after next season. So it'll be this season, next season, and then this deal goes into effect. USC, UCLA come into the conference, and uh, Fox gets the number one slot every week. That'll be big noon kickoff, like just like it been. But then CBS got kicked out of negotiations with the SEC. So they're filling that 3.30 slot with a Big Ten game now. They are the number two Big Ten game. They're paying $350 million a year for that. NBC is getting the primetime slot filled by the Big Ten Conference for about another $350 million a year. Hold on. Can, so, I start, can I start spreading spreading rumors? Go for it. Tell me that doesn't sound like the Big Ten Big Ten's about to make a massive push at Notre Dame. I mean, that's what people are thinking. That's dude. That screams it. That's Notre Dame's preferred choice. Now you can guarantee Notre Dame a primetime game every week. I mean, with a conference three fifty mil payday, like come on. That's something. They also have their biggest rivals in USC and the team up north. Yeah, um, that's. <laughs> Yup, Big Ten certainly looks attractive to Notre Dame, or it should. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. And well, then also, hold on, can I point Apple. out one more thing before we get to Apple? Can I highlight one more sure. thing? Sure, sure. Okay, that's all of Notre Dame's current primetime slots. They just got taken away. Yes. Well, right, they're in the middle of negotiating a new deal with NBC anyway. So, so now they have no primetime games to go after. That's dude. Right. Right, that's scary talk, if you're Notre Dame. Talk about strong arming Notre <laughs> Dame into the conference, though. I know, I know. That's kind of what the Big Ten needed to do if they wanted them, yep. is force their hand. There's a couple of ways they're forcing their hand right now. It looks like it's going to be 100-plus mil per year payout per team, which is insane. Um. Right now, the best that Notre Dame can even think of asking for is 75. 75. And NBC's not going to pay that if a primetime at all. No, because the primetime games are gone. That's all NBC wanted to fill. So actually, NBC, when we were talking about this before, NBC was looking to get Notre Dame in those primetime slots and then at the same time get some other bumper games, which was looking like it was going to be a Big 12 deal. And now, instead, they've flipped that Notre Dame's not going to be a bumper game for a primetime Big Ten game. That's just not the way Notre Dame's going to allow this to happen. 
Notre Dame doesn't we'll have a choice. Notre, they we'll don't see. have a choice, man. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Maybe they get off of NBC. Uh, there's still plenty of things up in the air. I don't see it happen, but all right. All right, I believe you. I'll give it to you. I don't know. Anything's possible at this point, including uh, streaming services getting involved. And Apple has bought the rights to air Friday night Big Ten games uh, on Apple TV, how many, which sucks, how many, and I hate that. <laughs> Big Ten primetime game, or how many Big Ten Friday night games are there? There's one a week. I will tell you what. I, I have sacrificed my soul to Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, our, our cell phone overlord, I will get Apple TV and I will share the password with you so you can watch your Big Ten games. We shouldn't have said that live because that might be illegal, but I'm definitely doing it anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. I definitely won't do that. Yeah, me either. What are we talking about? I don't even forget what the thought was. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is crazy, right? CBS and alone, that's about 700 mil and... SEC's total deal with ESPN was $1 billion. So you have to consider Fox is not only going to be paying more than 350 but with those three combined, that's already over what the SEC got. Now, you might be wondering why in the world would that be when the SEC wins all the championships? Let's think about where the TV markets are in the country and what big TV markets does the SEC really actually hit. Houston. Oh, we're talking SEC. Um, Austin, uh, San Antonio is a solid size market. It's a medium size market. Sure. Um, Nashville, Norman, Oklahoma, At- massive Atlanta. TV market. Atlanta. Um, you're getting some. You, you know what? All, all those around are, Florida. You know what? All those combined are smaller than. LA. They're all combined smaller than Chicago. They're all combined smaller than New York. And the Big Ten has all three of those. Oh, oh, and don't forget Detroit. And Columbus, which is actually a huge TV market. Is it really? Yes. Uh, and Philadelphia. Um, yeah. Piscataway, yeah. New Jersey. Massive contract there. Minneapolis. Massive. Minneapolis. No, uh, New Jersey gets us New York City. And Maryland gets us Washington, D.C., which is another massive market. Lincoln, Nebraska. Massive TV deal out there. Absolutely. One of the largest in the world. So, (laughs) Dude, I'm going to just keep going until you tell me to shut up. Go for it. I don't care. <laughs> Champagne, Illinois, baby. There it is. <laughs> Blooming entire... Indiana. Yeah, there it is. Um, Northwestern. I'm not even going to define a city, just Northwestern. Massive TV contract. Actually, yeah, Chicago. Yeah. So <laughs> they are. <laughs> um, and if they got Notre Dame, Oh, that's a big one. Honestly, South Bend is a massive area. Like, for for college football, South Bend is massive. It's not South Bend. I don't care about South Bend. I care about Notre Dame fans. They span the entire world. You you mean the Northeast? Providence, Boston. Catholics. Yeah. New England. If we get Notre Dame, we just added uh, all of Italy 
to the Big right, Ten right. media deal. Hold, hold on. Can, can I make an argument, though? If you guys pull Notre Dame, if you pull mm-hmm. Notre Dame, if this goes down, I need you guys to get with, like, the local bishops out of somewhere and have them spread the news that if they don't like the Big Ten, it's a sin against God. You might That's... even get the SEC fans with that. That's really awful. I hate that. What I want to see happen is they get some bishops together and they bless Penn State and like, re- you know, like actually it catches on fire immediately. Go around praying for each building on Penn State's campus and just making sure immediate that's a- rubble. <laughs> immediate rubble. Not even like an attempt. Just I'm okay with that. Done. I'm okay with are. that. <laughs> oh man. Uh, the Big Ten's getting money. And you know what's really crazy is the people who negotiated these contracts will still argue up and down that players do not need to see any of these dollars. Yeah, 100%. I mean, at it this may point, be, just throw in the towel at this point and pay the players. Like, It may be double what they were getting before, but the players should have see nothing exactly. to do with that. Well, the players are getting double as well. They're adding another zero. Ten times. God damn it. <laughs> uh, it's gross. Oh, speaking of actually paying players, uh, USC has a problem right now where they have the collective of a couple of giant boosters out there who are trying to put together uh, something like a base salary for USC players. Uh, totally against the school's wishes. The school wishes they wouldn't be involved. And the boosters are like, no, we're paying your players to come to events with us. (laughs) Okay, so I'm throwing this out there. That makes it all the more legit to me. Not like SMU coming up with a base salary of just like, well, we got the death penalty once. Like, let's try it again. See what happens this time. No, no, no. These guys are like, we want to do this. And the school is like, no. Do it. The school can't have a say. That's the whole point. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. I don't know how that's going to work. Because uh, if the school says no, then I guess the players technically that, can't what, go to those events, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I I would take them to court over that. I like if I were the players. Fair. That that will be that type of event will be the event that kicks off in actual and gain traction to where it actually works a player's union. That would be the type of situation that spurs that. That's true. That's true. We'll see. See what happens. I'm not convinced. Because the entire point of the NIL is to keep (laughs) the schools out of it. Yeah. Well, you know, the SEC is doing a great job at that. So (laughs) Let's get out of here. Dude, you skipped one piece of news. Um. What? 16 teams? Was that, was yeah, that about the Big Ten? On, I kind of skipped it on purpose. Uh, there's a new, renewed talk about playoff expansion, but there's nothing concrete, hey. and everything's kind of died down already again. That's so fair. I just, you know, leave it alone. I don't want to get people's hopes up on too much playoff expansion because my hopes have been up several times. It's nothing's going to happen until ESPN allows it because they own all the rights to that. And yeah. ESPN sucks. So let's <laughs> let's move on. All um, right. Non-NFL pro leagues. Doug, I'll let you chime in here if you have everything, uh, anything to add. But uh, out of the USFL, we have nothing. 
right. out of the FCF. We I have mean, nothing. Te- technically, technically, we do not there have were, nothing out of the USFL. We have some. There signings. were a couple players. Yeah, a couple players signed out of the USFL to the NFL. Uh, it's we'll actually see they, over forty players now have signed oh, from the USFL. I've only seen a couple NFL. handful. Yeah, yeah, forty in total. Over forty. So uh, the USFL was a success for its goal, right? Um, nothing out of the FCF, nothing right. major out of the XFL. They hired somebody to do something. Yeah, it didn't look important, so that was cool. <laughs> there's a director of player performance, but I didn't pay attention to who his name was. I he looked kind of familiar, and then he was a oh, white guy. So oh, was, can, can we? Is what it was. <laughs> can we talk about how annoyed Bug is watching this on us right now? Ah, there's nothing big care. out of these leagues. Uh, no, but the big news is out of Major League Football. I guess too. There's apparently a new league out there with the same name. Yeah. So the Major League Football we were talking about before was like a really sketchy, weird scheme that fell apart inside of two weeks. Look, this if there was totally ever a publicized ring- pyramid scheme without there being a publicized pyramid scheme, it was Major League Football. Yeah. <laughs> So this one is totally different, apparently, but it has the same exact name, which is weird. And also, it's, it's supposed to have 40 teams. What the hell? Like, this year, somehow? And right. uh, I, I don't trust any of this. Dude, as, as our notes say, semi-pro football is a wild place, man. Yeah. Oh, man. This is a... Uh something else i let's let's get out of here (laughs) all right hey it's my favorite time of the week we get to to talk nfl football kind of doug it's it's week one tomorrow for the preseason but it's week one stop it that's no denied get out of here bro i i need this in my life (laughs) That being said, actual football. Well, you for a few weeks, you get a a spoon fed taste of shitty football until you get to watch Ohio State beat up on Notre Dame in two and a half weeks. In two weeks. I'm sorry. Two weeks. No, two and a half weeks. No, no, September. We got a while. September what? Three. We got three weeks. But you know what? We don't have three weeks for the AFC South preview. I'm ready to jump into it if you are. I'm waiting for you. All right, man. All right, hey, out of the AFC South, uh, last year's results had the Tennessee Titans chilling on top of the division at 12-5. and five. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts coming in second because they are missing the playoffs because they can't beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Uh, the Texans coming in third place in the division – and the Jaguars pulling up the rear, firing their entire coaching staff because that was just a hot mess last year. Yeah. I I got to say, projected records have the Colts winning this year with uh, approximately 10 wins. Tennessee with approximately nine wins. Uh, the Texans are going to pull up the rear this year, according to uh, NFL Network, at 4-13. and 13. And then the Jags are going to come in third, improving on doubling their win total from, from last year all the way to six wins. Man, off your initial look, what, what are your thoughts here? Hey, the Jaguars might fulfill Hugh Jackson's promise. <laughs> it's a good thing. No, uh, yeah, it's – I don't 
trust the Colts. I don't trust Matt Ryan anymore. So that's kind of wild to me. Like the Titans won 12 games without their bear. It's we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to our predictions here in a minute, but I do want to cover some of the coaching changes. Uh, You had two coaching staffs go with complete overhauls of their, of their rosters here. Uh, You have Jacksonville kicking out urban Meyer to the foundation, which I'm sure annoys you based on recent history. Uh, well, he's also going back to Fox big noon kickoff. So I didn't see if that was that. confirmed or not. Is he, is he confirmed there now? As far as I know. Fair enough. Uh, they have hired Super Bowl winning coach, Doug Peterson to come on in. Uh, That's the, crazy. <laughs> the Texans have kicked out David Culley, who is currently unemployed. Uh, and hired Super Bowl losing coach Lovey Smith. <laughs> hired Super Bowl losing coach from within Lovey Smith. Oof. Uh, Oof. Both of, both of these same teams both made changes at uh, offensive coordinator. Pep Hamilton is in in Houston. Tim Kelly is out, headed down to Tennessee to be the passing game coordinator. Uh, Press Taylor is in for the Jags after they kicked out Daryl Bevel, who is now the Dolphins quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. And then the Colts hired a new defensive coach, a new defensive coordinator, because uh, Matt Eberflus decided to go be a head coach down in Chicago. Uh, And the Jags hired Mike Caldwell after firing Joe Cullen, who is now the defensive line coach out of Kansas City. I did not highlight a a Texans defensive coach firing uh, because they didn't, they just basically Lovey Smith is pulling double duty as the head coach and defensive coordinator. Man, what do you think about these defensive uh, or these uh, head uh, shit? These coaching changes. Words are hard. <laughs> all of the above, huh? Um, yeah, all of the, the above. We've talked about the Texans coaching staff changes kind of extensively before. I will say again, I really love this move. Uh, pun slightly intended. Uh, Pep Hamilton is very good. He's great. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Who will essentially be your head coach on the offensive side of the ball? And then let Levy Smith run things on, over on the other side. So makes total sense to me. Press Taylor was a name that I knew to keep an eye on. He's moving up relatively quickly. And... Hopefully he can do something with Jaguars because uh, Daryl Bevel certainly couldn't. It wasn't Daryl Bevel's fault. Uh, so <laughs> Daryl we'll Bevel did a fantastic job as interim, but just right. That entire right. season was a shit show from the very beginning. Um, I I kind of like Gus Bradley. That's kind of. That's the only thing you can really say about Gus Bradley. I feel like everybody kind of likes him, but he's not great. Everybody yeah, kind of no. realized that at this point, right? He's he's not going to lose you games, but he's also not going to come up with a, a top 10 defense every year. So it hurts the Colts to lose Matt Eberflus for sure. Absolutely. That defense was the best part of that team for ever since Andrew Luck retired. So... Yeah, we'll see what happens. (laughs) I will say I do love that the Texans hired from within on both sides. Uh, 
again, Lovey Smith being promoted to head coach and keeping his defensive coordinator job and then press Taylor just being promoted from quarterback coach and passing game coordinator up to full offensive coordinator. That's, that's fantastic. I'm excited to see what they do. Granted, they have a limited talent. Like their, their roster talent is very limited this year. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on. If they start winning five, six games, it's 100% because of the coaching staff. Well, apparently they didn't even want this coaching staff though, which is going to be a problem because you know, how great of a coach Josh McCown was assuredly going to be. Oh my God. Why they weren't thinking about Lovey Smith in the first place amazes me, but they're here now. So. (laughs) All right. Looking at hot seats. I'm going to come in with what I think is a personal hot take. I didn't even tell you I did this. I just threw it in there. I didn't even ask your opinion. I'm going to go ahead and say Frank Reich is on the hot seat. Uh, it sounds weird because he's sitting at 37 and 28, but man, they have been absolutely embarrassed by the Jaguars twice in a row in Jacksonville. They struggle with that. More importantly, that's resulting in, in missing the playoffs and that's not okay. So going into his fifth season, even with a winning record, man, that seat has to be at least getting warm for Frank Reich here. I can kind of see it. It is a hot take, but it's not like scalding. It's you think about it for a second, it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's you need to start winning some actual games that matter. Yeah. And when you lose in week 17 in Jacksonville for some week reason, week 18, week 18, that's disturbing. Um, <laughs> man, I. Yeah, I guess I can kind of see it. It feels like the Colts have been a team in transition for several years now. And everyone's just kind of given Frank Reich time to figure things out. At some point, that time has to run out, though, right? When when would you expect things to get better then if they haven't already? He's been there five years. And Now, I will say he has a winning record. He is nine right. games above 500. But that's that's not resulting in anything bringing the Colts any additional income, which is, let's be honest, that's all these owners are cared about is the additional playoff income. Right. And the Titans are winning the division and not the Colts. So yep. that's going to become an issue here shortly, I'm sure. All right, man. I do want to jump down into the rosters. Do you have anything else up top that you want to cover that I skipped over? Or are you ready to press into what these rosters are going to look like this year? I actually do want to say it's amazing to me that nobody ever knows who the coordinators are for the Tennessee Titans and they win the division every year anyway. Who the hell is Todd Downing and Shane Bowen? Never the, heard of uh, these people in my life. Yeah, yeah, they're the offensive and defensive coordinator for the uh for the Tennessee Titans. I got you. Wow, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> they they're going in in your defense, they are going into their second season. Uh Still. I did not I did not look up their entire coaching history, which is probably what I needed to do to kind of see who these guys actually were. First time I ever heard of Arthur Smith was when he was getting head coaching interviews. He had already been the offensive coordinator for the Titans for like a couple of seasons. Who are these people? How do the Titans do it? (laughs) But yeah, let's talk about the depth chart. Uh, Nobody has a good quarterback. I... All right, oh, let me. That's that's a that's harsh. There there are are three things that stick out to me about about these QB depth charts. 
uh, for the Colts. They've completely retooled it. Uh, yeah, they still got second... slinging Sam Ellinger. Yeah, he's going to be practice squatted again. Um, <laughs> so you've got Matt Ryan they've acquired in a trade, uh, and then Nick Foles that they signed out of free agency. Uh, on the other side of the aisle, though, it completely surprises me that the Jaguars did absolutely nothing at the quarterback position. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, I'm not surprised there. Uh, CJ beat hard. I know it's Beathard, but I like saying beat hard. Um, That's <laughs> wow. I, I don't like that. <laughs> I do uh, like either that. way, either way, <laughs> CJ Beathard, not really the guy I would ro- rely on to be my number two out there, especially with the quarterbacks that have been available. Um, yeah, but are you really going to pay anybody to sit behind Trevor Lawrence right now? I mean, yeah, right. maybe, maybe a seasoned veteran. Maybe I go ahead and make the trade for Brian Hoyer. Nah, I'm good on that. No, thanks. <laughs> uh, I'd then, rather get Andy Dalton or someone. You know? And then the other surprising uh, acquisition this summer uh, out of out of the quarterback room would be Malik Willis to the Tennessee Titans. He's projecting three on the depth chart as it is right now. I would not be surprised to see him at two by the end of preseason. Yeah, because it's the, it's the Titans problem again. I mean, can anybody honestly name the Titans second string quarterback right now? Yeah, it's looking Logan. at the screen. It's Logan Woodside. I'm looking right at you, man. <laughs> Definitely, I'm sure. <laughs> I would say the this most surprising the most surprising thing in any of these quarterback rooms is probably the fact the Texans did not pick up a new starting caliber quarterback. Yes, they got Kyle Allen. Uh Davis Mills is still your starter. Oh, and I get it to an extent, right? He did some things you didn't expect out of him. He was a better game manager than you've had. So you're able to roll with that while you rebuild some other pieces. That makes some sense to me. But also... Bro, didn't you hear? He's the next Tom Brady. Sixth round pick. Send it. For sure, dude. For sure. (laughs) Um... I would rather have CJ Beathard be my starting quarterback than Davis Mills. That that's probably valid. Uh, remember when we need some games for the 49ers not that long ago and was actually like pretty decent. <laughs> you know? I I'd take CJ Beathard. He's a dog, dude. I don't know why you hate him so much. <laughs> you big CJ Beathard hater. All I'm saying is he beats it hard, okay? Iowa Hawkeyes legend, dude. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Moving on. One one thing I will say about the AFC South is they're not good at a lot, uh, but what they are good at is running backs. Uh, and uh, these, at least a couple teams. This might be some of the deepest running back rooms I've seen in the NFL. Uh, you got the Titans. Obviously, you got King Henry, uh, Dontrell Hillard. Um, Doug, you might want to cover your ears, but Hassan Haskins is pulling up the uh, – Number three spot in that running back room. Yeah, the Jags with James Robin, James Robinson, Travis Etienne. That's going to be killer, a killer one too. There, granted, both speed guys. Uh, and then you got Snoop Connor pulling up the third as a rookie. Uh, and then the Colts are just all over the place. Jonathan Taylor, your running, your rushing leader from last year. 
Uh, Naheem Hines, a fantastic back out of the field, fantastic change of pace guy. Uh, and then you went and got Philip Lindsay just to make sure that if you need to punch somebody in the mouth, you absolutely can with his shoulder. Uh, but I'm with you. The Texans need some help in the running back room. I'm not a fan of Marlon Mack anymore. Coming off an Achilles injury, that's going to be tough. The odd man out of your division opponent's running back room is not the guy you should target to be your starting running back. Right. Marlon Mack couldn't make it anymore, so he goes to a team, another team in the division. Can we talk Oof. about how Rex Burkhead is still in the league, though? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's what happens when you have bad rosters and don't want to give out long-term contracts because you're trying to rebuild from nothing. That's valid. <laughs> you get Rex Burkhead on the team. That's, that's hey, what hey, the Texans <laughs> did one thing right, though, okay? What, they got Royce free? No, I was going to say, <laughs> say, man, they have a fullback room. Get ready uh, for true. some power eye. Andy Janovich, Paul Quessenberry. Uh, Westonbury. Yeah. I was, I was defaulting to legit. some Rhode Island pronouncing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're going to call him a bubbler? <laughs> that Dunkin' like Donuts room? <laughs> I'm going to call him like Quinn Essenberry, which is something that's... That's totally uh, wrong. Yeah. So I know. Rhode Island pronunciation. That's the Dunkin' Donuts room. And that's, that's your bubblers. <laughs> All right, man. So out of these running back and fullback rooms... I'm going to say negate it. It makes sense, though, because a football field is the same size as your state. God damn it. <laughs> what, which of these is your favorite running back room out of the AFC South? Um, running back room in total? Go yes. with the Colts. Running back, I go with Jonathan Taylor. So, so still the Colts. Colts. <laughs> Uh, obviously, Derrick Henry, when he's healthy, he's amazing. But at the same time, part of the reason he's amazing is the workload that he's able to withstand. Not necessarily that he's individually this amazing runner. Uh, he just can run the ball more times than anybody else can. So that's great. When he's hurt, it becomes a real big issue, though, because who else can actually do that? Yep. Right. And uh, I don't know. Are we really going to see the likes of Robert Woods and Traylon Burks, as we're about to get into, be able to pick that up in the same way that A.J. Brown was expected to? And Julio Jones was hopefully going to be able to last year. That didn't work out. But is Robert Woods and Traylon Burks going to work out for sure? We have no idea. Uh, I will say they have one of the most interesting wide receiver rooms. Weird transition and forcing myself away from the quest. But at the same time, pass catching options are probably the most interesting to me in the division. I don't know if that's a good thing, though, for the Titans. And I love Kyle Phillips. And Chigakonkwo is a really fun, exciting tight end prospect. I don't know how good this receiving room is going to be. And if Derrick Henry's not healthy, that's a problem. No, you're entirely right. The 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 wide receiver room out of Tennessee is completely retooled at this point. Uh, Robert Woods acquired in a trade. Traylon Burks acquired through the draft. Kyle Phillips acquired through the draft. Uh, Chigokonkwo, another fantastic option. Tight end, like you're saying there. 
Uh, Austin Hooper is signing in free agency. So there's only a couple of these guys that Ryan Tannehill has Tannehill has actually had time to throw to, and that that can be concerning coming through the all the way through. Yeah, and at the same time, the guys he's familiar with are, you know, Nick Westbrook Aquino, which like is he really that good? So <laughs> you're starting over. I <laughs> I will game. say at least his wide receiver room seems to be a little bit healthier than it was last year. Uh, time will tell well, for that's, sure. That's just because Julio was there. He counted as four hurt guys. Well, and then AJ Brown was hurt for like half the season too. Yeah. Which also counts as four hurt guys. So it's, that was a real problem. You were down to your ninth string wide receivers. <laughs> I, I am going to add in here though, that uh, there might be some bad news coming out of camp for the Jaguars receiving room. I have seen no confirmation of it, but I have seen that Christian Kirk was limping off the field yesterday. Uh, that could be some very bad news for them. Hey, at least they got Marvin Jones as well. But uh, no, 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 they got Marvin Jones Jr. As well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have the father-son pair. So they have Christian Kirk got all that money. Constantly. That's kind of crazy how Jacksonville does that to people, you know? Right. I will say I do like the youth uh, out of Christian Kirk, LaVisca, LaVisca Chenault. Those are those are some fan, fantastic young guys to have as long as they stay healthy. That's Jay the key. Jones, Laquan Treadwell are yep. really young too. I feel like I, – okay, I keep feeling like Laqu- Laquan Treadwell is actually really old because I thought I remembered seeing him play back when I was in college, which was – a amount of time ago that I'm not comfortable discussing at this moment. Um, Cause I don't want to, you know, be forced to live reality that I'm old. He's 27. You're fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, he's only a year younger than me. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. He's, he counts as young. Kind of. I saw a leaked, leaked depth chart. I almost combined those two words uh, for the Colts that showed Alec Pierce as wide receiver. Number one. I don't know if that's true or not. That would be amazing. I'm going to go. Alec, I'm going to go ahead and say it's that talented. I am going to go ahead and say it's probably not true yet, because let's be honest, the coaches have only started maybe kind of piecing together their rosters for preseason week one, and definitely not for NFL season week one, except for you guys that are a lock in the position. I will say that the wide receiver one out of Indianapolis is probably wide open. Yeah. However. Yeah, it shouldn't be Michael Pittman Jr. But it probably it's going to be between him and Alec Pierce. Yeah. Paris Campbell is such a great slot guy. If he can stay healthy, gosh, that would be a huge deal for the Colts. What, what's your I favorite saying, sir? Together. The best ability is. Finish it. You already said most of it. Goodness. The best ability is availability. So these guys that constantly get hurt kind of kind of kills you out there. I do like the Colts added Jelani Woods in the draft. Yep. I don't like Mo Alley Cox personally. So Jelani Woods uh, is a good pickup there. Um, uh, what are the Texans doing though? Brandon Cooks, Philip Dorsett, Farrell Brown. They just traded for Adam Shaheen. I guess that's something. They did. That did. If, just you, count, yeah. if you count that as something. I um, mean, it is something. He's probably going to be. He's probably going to be guess. their tight end one. 
Yeah, they acquired a, that's, a that's, what was that's that? How, uh, that's the thing that happened. Adam Shaheen <laughs> in a seventh for a sixth round pick. Something like that. Something like that. He was basically free. So, <laughs> Look, I will say the one thing the Titans, or not the Titans, the Texans do have going for them is left tackle. Laramie Tunsil is still a stud out there. Um, yeah, why are the Dolphins still making deals with the Texans? I thought that was over after Bill O'Brien left. Look, look, the Dolphins will continue to reach out to them. It's up to the Texans to accept it now. But yes, I, I am personally with you. And if I were the Texans, I would have the Miami's GM's number blocked. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, uh, hey uh, I've got a, uh, <laughs> got a nice tight end for you over there. He's our tight end three. You want him for a first round pick? <laughs> yeah, uh, dude, that yeah, sounds fantastic. We, we, we can make that work. <laughs> Uh, no, so they did draft Kenyon Green, which is nice. Man, I don't think Titus Howard is really an NFL tackle. We're going to see this year, I guess. That's why I said left um, tackle, not right tackle. Right. The Colts probably have the best line in this division. They probably which have is the best terrible, line in the NFL. Which is really terrible when you think they really only have three positions that are any good. So... Everybody has problems here at offensive line. Uh, Brandon Scherf coming in to the Jags is huge. At the same time, it doesn't fill your biggest need, which is both tackle spots. So we'll see if Cam Robinson is any good. Is he still going to stay healthy, and is he still good? That's a massive I, question right now. I don't trust it. So we'll the see facts. what happens. I mean, there was a time there where the Titans had one of the best offensive lines in the nation, and nobody – talked about it because they weren't that good at pass blocking they were just so freaking good at run blocking convenient that's all you need to be for the texans exactly so they still have ben jones there they still have nate davis and they still have taylor lawan but dylan radens and aaron brewer are kind of newer that rhymed and it i don't know if it's going to work the same way Ben Jones is fantastic. Ben Jones is one of the most underrated players in the entire league. And he's a hell of a run blocker. Just like a mauler of a center. It's awesome. But I don't know if he's as good as Ryan Kelly in the division. So, I mean, and it's tough when you're going up against some of these front sevens, too. This division actually has some pretty solid front sevens. Not fantastic, not the best I've seen, but still pretty good. I mean, I don't necessarily agree, so I guess you elaborate. <laughs> All right. Uh, so out of out of Indianapolis, DeForest Buckner is still pretty good. Uh, Eric Johnson's going to – he's a young guy, but we'll see what he can do. Grover Stewart, pretty solid. Quiddy Pay is still trying to find his own out of that defensive end. Taekwon Lewis, Yannick Ngakwe, which I have as an asterisk there because they had him listed as a linebacker, but he is an edge guy. Uh, and then uh, Shaquille Leonard and uh, Bobby, I'm not even going to pr- try to pronounce that last name. Dude, take it for me. Bobby Okariki? Yeah. Hey! Uh Overall, I think they're they're pretty solid in the front seven. I have some questions about their their back four, but overall the Colts are pretty solid in their front seven. They've got good rotations in there. They've got some potential. 
I see holes at every linebacker position uh, and all but one defensive line position. I mean, maybe maybe we'll see if Yannick Ngakwe can put together an entire season for once, uh, for yeah. the second time, I guess, technically, because he had that one great year in Jacksonville. But he's spent... He's been traded ever since. Right. Because he can't keep... He can't put any consistency together. The only guy who's been consistent across this entire line is DeForest Buckner. And That's fair. His former team was willing to part with him because they would rather pay a different guy at this position and draft a younger guy at his position at the same time. So, like, the 49ers still got the better end of that deal. Yeah. Which is saying something because DeForest Buckner is is the best part of this front seven and man I, I don't know i don't know about any of this uh the linebacker you don't have listed here for the colts which i'm shocked that you don't have listed here for the colts um is like the one of the best linebackers in the entire nfl why do you know <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Why is it Shaquille Leonard? Is that supposed to be Darius Leonard? Uh, that's not at all who I'm talking about. Uh, Darius Leonard. That's what I just said. Okay. All right. So I said, is Shaquille I, Leonard supposed I heard to be... you talk about Shaquille, and I was thinking Shaquille Griffin for some reason. No. Shaquille I know about. No, Darius Leonard is... Uh, he's the saving grace of this front seven. Is did he play for uh, South Carolina State? Yes. Okay, our lads lied to me and put his name down there as Shaquille Leonard. That's wild. I guess his first name technically is, or his middle name is Shaquille. Um, Eric Shaquille, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. All right. So you were correct. In July of 2022, he requested to be referred to as Shaquille Leonard now. We did not break that news at all, and that's a failure on us. But, hey, we learned it. We did it. Okay. This changes things. Specifically his first name. (laughs) Dude, Uh, I didn't even know that's who I was talking about. How did we miss that? Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, um, Shaquille Leonard. That's going to take some getting used to. I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, but okay, I will say my favorite rookie linebacker uh, doesn't come from the Jags, which is kind of surprising because they have three of them. I'm actually liking Christian Harris out of out of Houston with a chance to start there right away. That's going to be a good fit for him. Uh, he's going to get a lot of snaps on defense, so that he should get pretty good pretty quick. I mean, sure, but the two best rookie linebackers in this class were probably Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma. So, yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) Christian Harris is fine. He's going to get a lot of playing time, sure, but also the Jags are set up here at linebacker. (laughs) Um, I don't like anything else they got going on in the front side. I I don't either. I don't either. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) God, I, dude, I have lost all of my train of thought of how I wanted to run this. With the sheer shock that Shaquille Leonard is Darius Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. It's Shaquille now. That's crazy. Uh, I do like Bud Dupree 
he's not worth what the Titans are paying him, but he is fine. Uh, Harold Landry can put together some decent games a couple in a row from time to time. Uh, can be fun to watch. Enough to get him a massive contract. I liked Zach Cunningham. He hasn't exactly put together anything that's amazed me in the NFL so far. I, I really like these front sevens. I'll just be real with you. All right. So talk to me about the back four. There's a lot in you coming out being, being my college man here, man. There's a lot of rookies in this, in the, uh, in these back fours. What, do, what are you thinking? What do you, what do you like? What do you not like? I mean, the pairing of Derek Stingley with Lovey Smith, we talked about it ad nauseum around draft time. It's amazing. It's probably one of the best fits you could have possibly had. He's, he's great. And Jalen Petrie back there at safety too. That is awesome. Perfect. That's exactly what they needed. Uh, it, <laughs> don't want to be starting Desmond King on the outside. Let's get Derek Stingley in there, work through the rookie bumps, and it'll be still better than what Desmond King can do. So that's cool. Uh, Stephon Gilmore coming in to Indianapolis is amazing. Is he is he actually healthy this time? Because Carolina traded for him last year, and he was on the pup all year. Yeah, I think he's going to play. So that's looking out for that. And, yeah, I the Titans are in a rough spot, dude, with his back end. <laughs> uh, Kevin Byard is great. He's, again, this is the Titans' black hole. Kevin Byard is one of the most good players in the entire league. He is definitely up there, same level, if not better than Justin Simmons. I know that's a slightly different position. They're both safety works. And it people don't talk about Kevin Byard enough at all. And Amani Hooker is actually a fantastic safety as well. It'll be interesting to see what he can do in a starting role here. Um, if you will remember, I don't know how much Big Ten football you've watched during this time, but the Hooker brothers, one played at Ohio State and Amani played at Iowa, and uh, they were both really freaking good so <laughs> uh if man i've i don't remember his first name at the moment which makes me feel like a bad Ohio State fan malik hooker uh if he could ever put together a healthy season in the nfl that would be terrifying for the league and amani hooker actually getting a starting opportunity here finally is pretty awesome and i can't wait to see that too they're both I really really good on the back end I do know that the Titans back four has been struggling, but I do like what they've been building there. Christian Fulton, Caleb Farley coming into his second season. We talked about that ad nauseum last year. Well, uh, and then Roger right, McCre- wasn't did wasn't Caleb Farley hurt all of last season. Yeah, that's and that was one of my so. big concerns with him being a first first round draft right. pick. That being said, now you pair that with another rookie in, in Roger McCreary, which is another fantastic pick. Right. Man, that those those young cornerbacks have a chance to be something special, especially as a pair. Yeah, and then uh, as far as special teams goes, um, the Titans look like they're getting ready to make <laughs> some changes in special teams. Yes, yes, I say that because you usually don't pick up a kicker and a punter in the same offseason if you're happy with who you have. That being said, if I'm a Betting man, Randy Bullock keeps the job because Caleb uh, Shudak is currently on the pup. Can't really show much if you're on the pup as a rookie. 
Uh, and then I would guess Ryan Stonehouse comes in, takes the punter job. Usually your rookie punters come in and they get the job. That's just historically how it goes. Yeah, Randy Bullock and Brett Kern are both getting kind of older, so it makes sense. Exactly. <clears throat> the best kicker in the division is Rodrigo Blankenship. D- did you like what I put for his nickname there? It's That is his nickname, so it's fine. Let's go uh, Specs. Yeah. Uh, you definitely misspelled Ryan Santos. That's fine. And <laughs> Okay, Johnson, again, it had Santoso on there, okay? That's wild. That's not God, bad. now you're making it's me cool doubt thing. myself. What the hell? I I don't believe that. That's who in the hell is this person? I've never heard of this man in my life. This is a different guy with a very similar name to the guy I was thinking of. That's crazy. Ryan this guy Santoso. should not exist. Ryan Santoso <laughs> is not a human that should exist. He this played is not at, okay. He played at Minnesota. This is not okay. I'm not okay with this. <laughs> Bro, that's twice you've called me out, and I have been right both times. I hate this. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, man. Give me give, give me your goods. Who, who do you have one in the division? Uh, the Titans. Yeah. 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 I'm going to agree. Honestly, we both agree here, so run down, because I actually like your record predictions here, too. So if you want to throw those in, put them on air. Let's get them on the record. Yeah, so I have the Titans going 11-6. and six. Um I don't like the matchups as much as I did last year. So a little bit of a step back, maybe uh, not much. They went 12 and five last year, but assuming they even stay a little bit healthier, still probably looking at 11 and six or so. Uh, I have the Colts again and missing the playoffs again, actually Uh, just the way it kind of works out. Schedules are different every year. Anything could happen, but I don't love the Colts and Matt Ryan. Third place, I do have the Jaguars, which is kind of what everybody expects right now. I probably have a better record for them than most people expect. Uh, Trevor Lawrence actually played very well last year in a lot of really bad games. Uh, That wasn't exactly his fault. And I expect with the pieces they added, I could see this being up to a seven-win team uh, down to Jacksonville. And that would be third place in this division. With the bottom being the Texans, Actually, I have them doing better than most people would expect. I have them going 5-12, and 12, uh, which sounds like a lot when you look at this roster. But at the same time, I really love the coaching staff decisions, and I would bet my life on Lovey Smith making the most out of this defense each and every play. So it's, it's still going to be a pretty mediocre division, <laughs> but I do have the Titans winning. Yeah, no, like I said, I'm I'm in very much the same agreement there. I like your record predictions. Uh, and you're saying it's not a big step back to go eleven and six after you just won twelve and five, but they had just won the division or won the conference last year. They were the number one seed in the playoffs. Uh, and then disappointed everybody by losing to the Bengals in the divisional round. Yeah. Yeah. You know, good for the Bengals. Good job. <laughs> you only had to sell your soul to pay core, so Oh, <laughs> all right, man. Let's get into. We might get some ESPN followers here. What you say we get into our uh, ESPN <laughs> segment? <laughs> all right. So here's the deal. <clears throat> I understand. Tell you, you need to step away for a second. Let me explain the situation with what's going to happen. 
with our SEC preview. So, for each of the other Power 5 conferences, we've had a guest on, and it's been very fun and awesome, and we've really appreciated that. Um, so, we had a guest lined up for this episode with the SEC, and for due to some personal things, he was unable to make the show tonight, kind of last minute. So... It's totally fine. Nothing weird, like nothing over the top crazy with that. We hope to have him sure. And hopefully this can be a working relationship going forward. And we can talk about, you know, SEC again, uh, assuming we see like an Ohio State Alabama national championship game. It'd be great to have our debate show with me and him. Uh, that's that's very possible. Possible that's still on the table. However, he couldn't make the show tonight. Uh, we had a couple of backup options who were all busy because, of course, this happened last minute and it, it was impossible to work around anybody's schedule. So we can't finish the series the way we had intended to. It's not going to be a guest on every Power 5 conference. Hopefully you'll be okay with just the two of us talking some SEC football. Uh, I would think at this point that we both know what we're talking about with the SEC. But I guess we'll God, find God, it's all here. I can find on ESPN. <laughs> they do own the ACC as well. They so. just not worth their time. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, with that said, I guess we should go ahead and get started with the SEC. I think this is going to be a little bit of a shorter preview than the ones with our guests, uh, just because, obviously, it's just going to be the two of us. So... Maybe that's something to look forward to because these episodes have been getting kind of long. At the same time, uh, I do want to run through what we know about the SEC for this upcoming football season. So we still have the East and West divisions. That is about to not be a thing anymore in, I don't know, a year. So (laughs) for just about every conference too. But we still have divisions. So at the end, we will pick division winners and our conference winner overall. Um, But we still have an East and West right now. And in the East, we obviously had one of the most dominant teams we've seen in a long time uh, in University of Georgia. And they still lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game. (laughs) Uh, They did win the national championship, though, for the first time in 40 years. So congrats to the Bulldogs. And Kirby Smart being the first Nick Saban assistant to end up beating him as head coach. So, good job, Kirby Smart. You broke the curse. Uh, doubt you'll be. Yeah, I, I don't know if anybody doubt else you'll will be able ever to replicate it. it again. Right, right. I was about to say uh, I doubt you'll be the last, but actually, I do kind of doubt he'll be the last. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll see. It feels like this happens every couple of years, though, where Alabama just wins like two national championships every four years. One of those other years in there, there's an SEC team that just has a completely dominant year out of nowhere, maybe, or it's been building for a couple of years and it just finally culminates in one of the best seasons we've ever seen. They finally break through and then I would expect Georgia to kind of fall apart. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. They just had the most draft picks in NFL history from a single team and most first-round picks from a single team. And you know who had those records before? 
2019 LSU. So it really does happen every couple of years where an SEC team just comes up and has a the year to beat Alabama. I don't know if anybody has that this year. It's probably going to be Alabama. Uh, But we have plenty of other teams to talk about in the meantime. And a lot of very interesting stuff happening in that mid-tier of the SEC, uh, including some good coaching changes. And I say we just go ahead and jump into those. Dude, I, I'll, I'll kick this off here because I'm with you. Uh, there's not much to say. It was a typical SEC season. Like you said, it was an right. even-numbered year. I'm sorry. It was an odd-numbered year. So there was one team that went off that should not have. Right. Um, and even-numbered years, we get Alabama. and Odd-numbered years. Yeah. We get somebody maybe contending with Alabama. It's crazy. I, I <laughs> do like the Brian Kelly hire. Uh, it, don't get me wrong. This surprised me all the way through. I didn't know there was anything going on there at at, uh, Notre Dame with him. I just think he got offered that good of a contract. He's actually a solid coach. Uh, I just don't know if he's going to be able to bring what what LSU is looking for uh, because he doesn't have that history of being on the top all the time. He is a very good coach with a very good record, but he's not a championship coach. In fact, a couple times he was in the college football playoff or the national championship uh, he got smoked by Alabama both times. Right. Right. Uh, so I have an interesting theory about Brian Kelly. I want to get your take on this. So Marcus Freeman has come in, and there's obviously the first year young head coach bump in recruiting where you have this really energetic guy goes into high school kids' houses and pipes them up. And Right. They're having their best recruiting class in a long time. I want to argue, though, I don't think Brian Kelly is a very good recruiter. I think that's accurate. And Notre Dame should have had better recruiting class had because of the brand that they are. I mean, they should be recruiting on the level of Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. But they haven't been. I think that falls on Brian Kelly. And we're seeing it now this year with LSU not having as solid of a recruiting class as they've had in the past. You really think Ed Orgeron and Brian Keller are that different as far as like how high school kids should see them? No, the difference is Brian Kelly's probably not as good at recruiting, uh, which is weird to say because he has a whole ton of success. But I really believe that, and I think LSU might actually regret this one a little bit. He's he is destined to go like ten wins every year and be fine. And that just just keys in that he's actually a really good coach. He doesn't recruit well. He doesn't get the greatest classes, but he makes a winning team out of them. But because he can't get those top tier talent, that's why he's not a championship coach. So no, dude, I agree with you completely. Uh, And LSU is another one of those schools that has the brand that they should be able to recruit that well. And it's just, it's not going to happen the way they expect it to. The other school with a new head coaches here is university of Florida bringing in Billy Napier who put together at at least a group of five level championship team at Louisiana. I thought this would have made a ton of sense for him to go to LSU, keep the in-state connections. I thought everybody was going to love him already. Uh, ben goes to Florida, which is probably the better situation for him because let's be real. Good luck, Brian Kelly beating Alabama once three years and keeping your job. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this is one of the best hires of the year. Billy Napier 
I really believe in. Uh, we'll see how he does, but I have high so, hopes. So I agree with you, but I'm confused. Uh, Billy Napier, absolutely happy with the absolutely static form. What the hell is Dan Mullen doing now? Dan Mullen is now a... <laughs> so here was the plan. Dan Mullen was going to be the offensive coordinator for a K-12 through school. <laughs> and then, according to the state law of whatever state Lake Oconee Academy is in, um, he can't be a coach, technically, because he's not a teacher, and he didn't want to teach any classes. And so he is officially a contributing resource and advisor to the head coach for the Lake Oconee Academy Knights, which is a K through 12 team. That is uh, former mean, university of Florida head coach, Dan Mullen. Yes. You, you mean to tell me that my dude went from coaching borderline professional athletes at this point, let's just be real mm-hmm. to coaching five-year-olds. I mean, being a contributing resource to five-year-olds, we can't say he's coaching. Correct. That is an accurate statement. Can we talk the, about the fall? Like the only the worst fall, fall from, the only worst fall I can think of is when Adam Gase went from the New York Jets to an offensive coordinator at high school. At least he's a coordinator, not a contributing resource. <laughs> well, that was his choice. He didn't want to be a teacher, so. What is going on? Yeah. Uh, Florida has Billy Napier now. (laughs) Uh, And I would say there are a couple of important hot seats to keep your eyes on as well. Uh, Hey, I've seen one of these. First up would be Missouri with Eli Drinkwitz. Um, It's not Elijah. Who's he drinks with? Uh, not any winners, apparently, because oh. <laughs> he's 11 and 12 overall at Missouri. I would say Missouri has been exactly what everybody expected them to be with him, which is not a good thing because I don't think anybody expected them to win any games. So <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah. Um, I would say he probably needs to at least make a bowl game this year for Missouri to consider bringing him back. I don't know what the goals of the program are, but I can't imagine going 11 and 12 in three years is your goal. So let's, let's win a bowl game. Missouri, you can do it. Uh, you lost the armed forces bowl to army last year. It wasn't as good of a game as the score indicated. So let's, let's make something happen here or at least try to, uh, I would say Brian Harrison is also on the hot seat. At Auburn, uh, not necessarily for performance on the field. And actually, if they do as well as some people are thinking they will, it might sweep some of those things under the rug because that's how the SEC works. Facts. But at the same time, we can't just ignore it. And for the same reason everyone's thinking Herm Edwards is on the hot seat, it's Brian Harrison probably ought to be on the hot seat too. Let's also highlight that the off-field issues between the two of them are very different. Uh, yes, but, you know, everyone's hyping up Herm Edwards' weird 
like uh, NCAA rule violations. Yeah. So, well, Tennessee had some of those, and they're okay. Actually, they're not doing as okay as I expected they would be. But you know. All right, let's get to our <laughs> last hot seat here. Our last hot seat is Brian Kelly because he's the coach at LSU and the head, That's head coach at LSU hot seat every season. No, that checks. Agreed. Same reason Lincoln Riley is on the hot seat this year because he's the head coach at USC, and that's just how that works. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I have no disagreement here. Uh, so let's talk about some players that are no longer here because, yeah, Georgia is going to look different this year. Um, they will still lost. be there red and black and white, but the players will look very different. I, I haven't seen the players going to be black and white and have red inside of them still. You're not wrong. Like, I have no additional comeback. Half the first round was Georgia players, so that was a thing that happened. Uh, Traylon Burks, Arkansas lost a huge piece there. Uh, Kenyon Green, of course, can, we already talked about him. In the can I make NFL you smile as a Kentucky person and jump straight to round two real quick? I mean, feel free. All right. Reports out of the Giants camp have Wandale Robinson pulling in the number one slot position on that on that depth chart as of today. I mean, I'm not a University of Kentucky person, so that's yeah. Fine. But it, it's what's your home state? It's okay. Uh, amazingly, that we have a Big Ten player on this list because Jamison Williams got drafted in the first round. <laughs> Yeah, that was one, two, three former Ohio State receivers. Boom, roasted. Dude, um, I hope I hope he heals up fine, and they they let him take his time because he is poised for a right. big career. Uh, just don't rush him back, and I don't think Dan Campbell will. I'm just putting it out there: do not rush him back. No, so you said last week that this was like the most, the biggest list of drafted players we had seen when we were looking at the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, this takes up like. Four pages, I think, of drafted players for the yeah. SEC. So it's half the NFL draft is coming out of the SEC anymore. We all kind of know it is what it is. Um, yeah, a lot of these players are really good. <laughs> Georgia lost most of their team. Yeah. And yeah, Mississippi State had a player get drafted bro, in the third round. That's bro, did Georgia lose both of their backup guards in the sixth round? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. What's it say when your backup offensive line gets drafted in the sixth round of the NFL draft? Uh, it means you had a historically great team and you will not win another national championship. This That's year. fair. <laughs> uh, no. So one, one guy I do actually want to talk about for a second, Charles Cross going to the Seahawks is amazing to me um, for one of the reasons being that Charles Cross is really freaking good at football and Mississippi State's going to feel that loss. At the same time, it's amazing that the Seahawks finally drafted an offensive lineman. But it was after Russell Wilson left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a thing that happened. Draft. Talk about some players coming into the conference now as well. Uh, yeah, recruiting classes are good. Nuts. That's how the SEC does things. 
Uh, here's the deal. Uh, number one, number three, number four, and number five defensive line prospects all went to Texas A&M. Um, Their front seven's going to be a scary next year. Yeah. Because <laughs> you yeah. got to assume at least two of them are getting redshirt. Well, here's the deal. I think right now Texas A&M is more worried about some of these guys transferring out because not – not because of the way the depth chart's looking, but because the reason they came into Texas A&M is the reason Nick Saban called Texas A&M out, right? Uh, there was some NIL promises that apparently aren't being kept right now, and they might lose a few of these guys. All right, all right. I'm going to back some this recruits up. backing out. How long before we see an antitrust lawsuit for false advertising from these colleges? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to make any judgment like that. But uh, <laughs> seeing eight five stars go to Texas A&M, I don't know where is kind of weird. So yeah, that should raise anybody's eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially when Alabama only got three. Uh, two of them are edge rushers, though. So that's fun. Love in fact, that. In fact, two of them are the number one and number two edge rusher. Yeah. And they also got a five-star quarterback, you know, how they do. That's just the thing that Alabama That's does every sometimes. year now. Yeah. Right. Uh, Georgia also reloaded up that defense as much as possible. As Georgia does. Right. They can't recruit offense for the life of them, but they can get some defensive players, including two corners, uh, two defensive linemen, and probably another defensive back. Uh, is this is an athlete, but we'll see what Malachi that, Starks does. Historically, that usually means wide receiver or defensive back, maybe running back, depending on. But typically, right. it's one of those two. Right, and I think he's primarily getting recruited as a safety. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I might be wrong about that. I might be thinking about a different guy. I've been wrong a couple times already this episode. I have to, you know, I have to hedge my bets every time now. Uh, LSU got a five-star linebacker. Missouri got a five-star player, which is you would think is a huge deal, but it's kind of not really because he's from St. Louis. So it's the hometown kid want to stay close to home and play Power 5 football. Technically, he's from Illinois. East St. Louis is in Illinois, not in Missouri. Across the river. But it's also very close. It's St. Louis. So... Luther Burden is going to Missouri. Uh, those are your five-star players. Of course, so I, you have the number one, number two, number three recruiting classes in the nation last year, all in the SEC, Texas A&M, Alabama, and Georgia in order. Can I, give and, you some, can I give you some confidence back? Okay. He is a safety. Hey, nice. I like it. I like it. I got something right. Um, what's also scary to me, though, is that the SEC had um, nobody finish outside the top 32 in recruiting, Fuck. which is wild because that means Vanderbilt finished number 32 in the nation in recruiting. Vanderbilt did really good in college football recruiting. Vanderbilt what? got three four stars. <laughs> Show me that money. Show me that money. Look, all I'm saying is if you're talking about boosters paying NIL deals, Vanderbilt's boosters got the money. 
True. I mean, true, but do they care enough about football to make this happen? I guess. If we I'm going to let five the stats tell you. Vandy, if we see some five stars piling into Vanderbilt, I guess we'll we'll know for sure. Uh, but, of course, SEC is going to be pretty good again. That's kind of what this says. That's how it goes. Uh, so let's talk about some big-time transfers coming into the programs. Yeah, Alabama's getting some great players. I will say, though, the cross-conference or the in- intra-conference uh, transfer, actually both of them, one of them within the division, um, mm-hmm. that's brutal for, for all these guys mm-hmm. trying to unseat Alabama again. Yeah, so, you know, the SEC changed that rule because Alabama wanted a player from Tennessee a couple years ago. That was supposed that's, to go to Ohio State? Yeah, that's really cool. I love when rules get changed because Alabama feels like it. Um, but yeah, they're bringing in Jameer Gibbs, who's going to be a great running back. He was really good at Georgia Tech, was the best part of that team, and now he's going to be on Alabama. Uh, Eli Ricks is a name that you should be familiar with because I've called him out a few times as being a fantastic corner uh, for LSU, and now he's going to be playing for Alabama. Of course, he did also just get arrested, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I expect he should be fine to play. And, yeah, Yali Rex is pretty good. They also got a receiver from Georgia, Jermaine Burton, coming in. And he's he's pretty good. So, <laughs> when Alabama uses the transfer portal, they don't miss. Bro, um, sorry, I'm looking at your two column here. Is there a reason you you missed the K in Arkansas all the way down? I typed it once, and it was a typo, and copied and pasted. So there you go. Our answers. Yep. That's a thing that happened. Um, So with Billy Napier coming to Florida, he brought a couple of guys with him from Louisiana. Cyrus Torrance and Cameron Waits, both offensive linemen, are coming to the SEC out of Louisiana. I think that's amazing. I love that a lot. Uh, head coach decided instead of bringing like a quarterback or a receiver or something like that, he's bringing a couple of big dudes up front, which is always cool to see. I appreciate it. I love it, dude. Yeah, I love it. Uh, one of the biggest transfers for an offensive lineman would be Miles Frazier, headed from Florida International all the way up to LSU. That is huge. I expect Miles Frazier to get a lot of national attention now and potentially get drafted in the first couple of rounds of the draft, which was not going to happen out of Florida International. Let's just be real. Uh, Also, LSU is bringing in a new starting quarterback, Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. Uh, Jaden Daniels was the reason to watch Arizona State football other than a couple of pieces on that defense. Uh, Jaden Daniels made that offense fun. So it's I hate to see him go from Arizona State because uh, I won't watch any Sun Devils games this year. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, that's it's probably about the best-case scenario for LSU, getting somebody proven in there who can actually produce for you. Um, another quarterback coming into the conference, Jackson Dart. USC transfer. USC basically cleared house in that quarterback room when they brought in Caleb Williams. Everybody else was like, mm, bye. 
Understandably. <laughs> Another big time move for an offensive line. Mason coming up from Western Kentucky, going to Ole Miss. Again, I love to see that group of five offensive linemen proving that they were under recruited. Go to some Power Five school and get some national attention. Mason Brooks is really good. I can't wait to see that. Um, a couple more to talk about. Obviously, South Carolina is getting Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, but people aren't talking about it. South Carolina also getting Austin Stogner, the tight end. So a weapon that Rattler is familiar with, and I assume an early season safety valve at minimum uh, is they're both coming to South Carolina. It should be an even better offense than it was last year. Um which, honestly, let's be real, South Carolina's offense wasn't great last year, but they still won seven games, which is better than people thought. And paired with the decent defense, that might be a team worth looking out for this year. Maybe they can upset Georgia again. That'd be fun. (laughs) They do it every couple of years, so it is the year. Uh, Actually, let's jump back to Ole Miss because I do want to talk about Ulysses Bentley. Uh, mostly because that's a great name. I love that name. <laughs> but why does he? Why does he not have an nil with Bentley? I don't think Bentley's handing out cars like that. So why not? That that's a lot of money, dude. <laughs> He's not that good. Gee, like they don't have that much money. No. So Ulysses Bentley was a running back for SMU. Uh, pretty good one at that. Got to say, headed Ole Miss. That Ole Miss offense is going to look very different, but also should be pretty dang good. I feel like we say that every year for Ole Miss. True. It is Lane Kiffin, so it's probably also true every year. (laughs) The identity's changed all up again. Why can't they piece anything together? Right. Outgoing transfers, a couple of interesting names. If you're transferring out of Alabama, that means you didn't make it. So these teams are getting the castaways from the national championship contender. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end prospect that everybody was talking about last year, heading into the season, uh, way underperformed. So now he's headed to Texas. (laughs) Uh, SMU is replacing Ulysses Bentley with an Alabama running back, Kamar Wheaton. So I expect Kamar Wheaton should do pretty well for SMU this year. You got Kane uh, Williams headed up to Nebraska. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, Bo Nix is leaving Auburn and headed to Oregon for the season. That's a thing that's happening. That one kind of <laughs> surprises me. It only surprises me because of, you know, there's only so much that having close hold to Auburn can do for you. That's why Bo Nix went there. It was his dream school. I'm glad to see him move on, and I hope he can piece it together this year. Another quarterback leaving the conference, JT Daniels, of course. How is he still in college? To Stetson Bennett, but JT Daniels is going to play for you this season. I know he's been around a couple of schools, so it feels like he's been here forever, but he's. Is he the new Brady White? Do we finally give Ben rest? No, no, because I think this is still JT Daniels' fourth season in college. I'm curious. No, it would have to be a grad transfer, right? Because this is a second transfer. 
Come on. What was his initial recruiting class? He was class of 2018. This would be his fifth season. Oh, my God. That's normal. That's not that weird. Well, no. Class of 2018, committed in 2017 to USC. Right. I don't know. It feels like he's been in forever. Fifth-year players are not that weird in college football. It's fine. It's just weird at the my, quarterback position. My my dude, go look at his picture on 24-7 sports and and be – oh, my. I'll, I'll do it after the show. Uh, moving on here. Uh, running back, headed from LSU to Cincinnati. Uh, obviously, they had a lot of success with the Alabama transfer last year, but now they have Corey Kiner coming in from LSU, and hopefully Cincinnati can basically – keep it up on the ground that was uh yeah i mean cincinnati's a pretty good team so <laughs> yeah and one last piece i know we talked about this last week as well but missouri is losing a quarterback connor basilek to indiana and it should be interesting i really don't know what else to say about that situation it's going to be interesting it's a very different style <laughs> of quarterback sure. than what they were expecting in michael panics and uh, John Reese Plumley is headed to UCF, which is only notable because he has a weird name. That's the thing that's happening. <laughs> uh, but that's all the transfers I wanted to highlight. Uh, anybody else you see here? Honestly, man, no. Yeah, I think you hit all the big ones. I, I would love to go shout out all the offensive tackles and offensive guards. It's just not worth it. Fair enough. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> Let's talk about the players to watch this season in the conference. Um, we have to start with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young, of course. Yep. Uh, Alabama's going to be good again. Surprise, surprise. If you were surprised by that, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> to have to want to break it to you. but How can I help you get into college good. football? <laughs> I will say Auburn's offense uh, – Really shouldn't take a step back, losing Bo Nix. Not like he was that great. And they still got Tank Bigsby. So Tank Bigsby is very good running back, and I expect him to do very well this season. Uh, Georgia's tight end, Brock Bowers, is one of the best tight ends in the country. Really, it's Brock Bowers and the guy at Notre Dame, uh, who I'm blanking on his name right now, I think is – I think it's Myers. Um, I might be totally wrong about that. I just, it's just, just – I, I blanked on it. But Brock Bowers at Georgia is a very good tight end. Yeah, Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer. Mike Myers. Yeah, that's totally not right. <laughs> Michael Mayer and Brock Bowers are going to be for the best tight end in the country this season. And the scariest part is Brock Bowers, I believe, is a true sophomore this season. So watch out for him. Uh up there for the best receiver in the country. I know Ohio State has a couple of those guys we talked about last week. But they do every right, year, though. Right alongside is an LSU guy who also has receivers every year, it feels like. Uh, Kayshawn Booty is a fantastic, fantastic receiver. Fantastic name. Yes, and I feel like I've said fantastic too many times in this preview. Um, <laughs> happens sometimes. And one guy I do want to highlight from a smaller school, Jacob Brammer, offensive tackle for Vanderbilt, is really good at tackle. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Jacob Brammer ends up going in the top couple of rounds of the draft when he does get drafted because he is very good. And I know he plays for Vanderbilt, so some people don't believe it. But if you watch him play, he's great. Uh, people are going to talk about Tennessee's Hendon Hooker. I kind of don't care. It's it's Hendon Hooker and it's Tennessee. So let's move on. Let's do it. <laughs> Any other offensive players you wanted to highlight, though? So I, I, I'm looking through it. None of them really honestly stick out to me. You've got the big ones. There's a couple of the big ones that you don't have highlighted down on defense I can talk about a little bit too. Um, but I'll let one you get I to thought, it. One I thought you might mention, and I left him unhighlighted for you, is Will Levis, quarterback at Kentucky, because there's some speculation. He has that prototypical size, and he might end up going in the draft than people think he should. Uh, we'll see what happens with Kentucky this year. I and thought Will you Levis. were going to say he's going to end up in Miami to get rid of Tua. I thought that's where you were going with that. Well, they didn't lose both of their first-round picks. Now, did they? <laughs> God damn it. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, yeah, let's jump to the defensive side of the ball. The player who definitely should have won the Heisman last year on Bryce Young's team, nonetheless, Will Anderson, linebacker for Alabama, one of the best players we've seen in quite some time. He's a complete and, linebacker all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as football players go, Will Anderson is one of the best in college football in a very long time. I mean, it put him right alongside like that season Chase Young had when it seemed like he should have won the Heisman. There have been a couple of years now where people are saying – hey, if this is actually the best player in college football, it should have been this defensive guy. That was Will Anderson last year, and he's back. So that's that's exciting to see. Uh, Derek Hall for Auburn is a great defensive end. He's going to make that front seven scary by himself. And Georgia's defense is going to be good again. I'm sorry, it's just true. They recruit that's what that they're side of the ball for. very well. Yeah. And Jalen Carter is going to be awesome up the middle. Um, that defensive tackle spot. I really like Nolan Smith, the linebacker they have too. They have, they're good on defense. Georgia's good on defense. Um, <laughs> I know, crazy. LSU has, you might have heard the name Aziz Ojolari in the NFL. They have his younger brother, BJ Ojolari, who is also playing very well right now. Legit level at defensive end and South Carolina has a good corner that I wanted to shout out. Cam Smith is, he's not going to be the best corner in the conference or anything, but he's definitely going to make an impact for the field, on the field for South Carolina and could be one of the difference makers for this team. I could see them doing as well as like winning nine games this year. Cam Smith would be a big part of that. Yep. And South Carolina should be a team to watch out for. All right, so I'm looking at this. There are two guys I really want to talk about myself. Uh, one is just a name highlight because I think it's fantastic, especially for a linebacker. Uh, out of Arkansas, you have Bumper Pool. I don't know. That's just to me. It seems fitting for a uh, for a linebacker. Uh, and then the other one I want to highlight is also the dude that Alabama changed the rule for is coming back for his. It's got to be his fifth COVID season. Um, is Henry Toa Toa. Uh, another fantastic linebacker. That front seven for Alabama is going to be nasty this year. Uh, and it's going to be 
led behind two well-experienced veteran college players that know how to play the game when it's on the line. So, dude, that's going to be a tough linebacking core to get around. I thought the name highlights you were going to go for was Missouri's Tajan Jeffcoat. I'm sorry. Bumper pool is just <laughs> so much better. Maybe Vanderbilt's Maxwell Worship. Or Anthony Orgy. Okay, 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 hold on. The only thing that would have made Maxwell worship better is if that E was an I and it was Max Will worship. (laughs) I'm just saying. It's this Bible belt down here, man. It wouldn't surprise me. That would, it would make too much sense. We can't do that. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, man. Uh, But, yeah, expect some good things out of the SEC again. Um, I will say I do – I don't think we talked about this enough. So there are some really good teams in SEC West that get overlooked all the time because they have to play Alabama and they have to lose to Alabama every year. Arkansas is going to be really good still. Like, this is still going to be a solid team. I know they lost a couple of important pieces. This is still going to be a great team. There are people who have really high expectations for Auburn this year. I'm not one of Arkansas. those people. Arkansas. Oh, you were saying Auburn. You jumped I'm, I'm on me. I'm on. sorry. I'm moving on to Auburn. They, some people have high expectations for them. I'm not one of them. Some people think that Auburn could be competing for that division. I don't see it personally, but they have a couple of pieces that are really solid, especially on that defensive front. LSU has a lot of talent in a bunch of different places, right? It's just – can Brian Kelly put it together? It is his first year there. It's a new, it's a whole new setup. I don't know how it's going to work in the SEC yet. We'll have to see. I mean, Mississippi State, Mike Leach has made this team extremely fun. It's also, he's also made them very consistent. Yeah. Like a seven and six or so team. He's the but Jeff Fisher of college football. At least it's fun. Uh, Ole Miss is, we already, already said, they're going to have a good offense. However good that defense is determines that ceiling. Yep. The thing is, the floor is still nine wins, right? This is still like a solid team with Lane Kiffin. And then Texas A&M, they're way overrated. They're going to win like three games. So <laughs> in the East, you have a lot more things up in the air, right? You have yeah. kind of your big two in Florida and Georgia. Florida has a new head coach. They have a lot of turnover. We're going to see what happens. But then that second tier in the East is really confusing, and it has been for the last couple of years. But somewhere that Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee range is going to be fascinating this year. And people are expecting Kentucky to come out ahead of those teams again. I don't know for sure. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, Tennessee's offense is actually better than they deserve to be because they're Tennessee. South Carolina, Shane Beamer did a fantastic job last year. I have no idea how he's going to live up to expectations again. But also, he so far surpassed expectations last year that I think he probably can. He'll figure something out. Yeah. I mean, this was this was an incredible year for him last year. And then Missouri and Vanderbilt, you know what you're going to get. It's going to be fine. It's right. But <laughs> I was going to say, man, you got all that out. Who you got winning? 
I hate it because it's so boring, but I had to talk about those other teams because it feels like nobody's going to respect them enough. That That's the wrong way to say that. ESPN is going to overvalue them. Everyone else is going to hate them more than they deserve. Because they're being overvalued by ESPN. Right. The, the true value is somewhere in the middle, and it's better than people will care to admit a lot of the time. Yep. Like Ole Miss, Kentucky are going to be really good teams. Florida is going to be a really good team. Uh, Arkansas is going to be a great team. I don't think any of them are really top 15 necessarily for sure. They're definitely not in my top 10 right now, you know. Um, it's probably going to be Georgia and Alabama again. And I'm going to take Alabama. All right. it's, it's so boring. Dude, dude, I agree with you on the Alabama portion all the way through. That being said, I'm going way off the rails here. <laughs> I got Florida out of the East. Okay. That's not way off the rails, but we'll count it. it. It is when you consider it's Billy Napier's first season in Florida. So you're talking that change of change of play style, that change of yeah. leadership, everything all the way through. It is a little unforeseen, especially with basically requiring Florida to upset Georgia this year. I mean, I can see it. I can see it. I can see Georgia ended up with anywhere from like eight to 11 wins. I mean, yep. anything's kind of possible. It's it's a basically a whole new team for Georgia as well. So, yep. Uh, but yeah, either way, I have the SEC winning. <laughs> the SEC yeah. being Alabama. I would say ESPN is going to be the SEC champion this year. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, man, are, are yeah. you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go up to bracket time. Um, we have four more matchups today. Yep. We certainly appreciate your votes on our Twitter polls. And let's go ahead and dive in. We've seen all of these stadiums once already. And it's time to make some hard decisions here because we're starting off. This is... It's Mississippi State. This is Beaver Stadium versus Davis Wade Stadium. And Twitter poll went with Davis Wade. So I'm going to kick it off to you first because I think that was probably kind of surprising to you. It is. But then there's one thing that's going to help carry this for me. The well, Let's go with a couple things. Um, one, Penn State is back in the news for negative things. I don't think a lot of people want to kind of highlight them. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but that is a factor in how this goes Two, when you have a major event in your stadium every year and you lose that game almost every single year, <laughs> it is absolutely useless. So if not for its own pluses, I'll move on Davis Wade for Penn state's faults all the way through. I respect that decision. Uh, I will say, Penn State's problem with the whiteout is that they usually schedule it against Ohio State, and so yeah, <laughs> it doesn't they, work out too well. <laughs> pick a team that you can actually beat. Like, your I, I will say, I will say, Davis Wade does have some really cool traditions in their own right. This isn't a pure hate Penn State pick. This it's is not. It, Davis Wade deserves to move on here. This is a legitimately awesome stadium, and with some great traditions, uh, and. This is some real college football talk. So uh, Davis Wade's moving on here. 
in uh, a it is a pretty big upset according to the way our seating works. I mean, yeah, Penn State's the second largest arena in the United States. So yeah, but but as you can see in our picture, they had the whiteout going in. Well, they probably lost that game. So man, what do you know? They lost again. <laughs> well, let's jump to our next matchup here. We have Camp Stadium the University of Wisconsin up against the University of Notre Dame and Notre Dame Stadium. I was amazed when I saw the Camp Randall won our Twitter poll. I hand it off to you, man. What do you think? All right, all right. Look, man, both of these schools, both of these stadiums had tough, surprisingly tough matchups the last time we went through them. So what separates them? Lucky the Leprechaun? and I'm probably going to get canceled for that. I'm sorry for saying that on the air. I don't know what his name is, but I apologize. Uh, or or jump around. What's more fun? Dude, the way they get that stadium rocking, I think when they play jump around, it registers on a seismograph. Am I, am I incorrect in that? You're not. All right. That is not incorrect. For its ground-shaking ability, I don't think I can disagree with Twitter here. Wow. That's just so crazy to me, dude. All this history is leaving the bracket. But I, mean, I kind of respect it at the same time. <laughs> I, at, so at the same time, look at it, though. What what has Notre Dame done for us lately other than make Alabama look really good in the college football playoff, right? And when you bring in the stadium, it, that's fantastic. It's a, but... it's a pretty basic uh, stadium. Exactly. Uh, let's be real. Just the history of it is so immense it is. that it's hard to imagine it getting knocked out here by Camp Randall. I was going to say, but it's it's a tough matchup for him. This is a tough match both ways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Camp Randall's moving on. We it's do. that simple. <laughs> Nothing we can do in our own bracket. That's, that is what it is. All right, so next matchup of the day. We have University of Texas versus Oklahoma State. This is Daryl K. Royal versus Boone Pickens. And uh, social media poll went with Boone Pickens in Oklahoma State. Ooh. I don't know, man. This one's tough for me. The architecture we've talked about a couple times, that kind of lends itself to mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. I don't know. The, the history, though, that's that probably carried Texas. You haven't spoken a lot. What are you thinking on this? I will say one thing. You just totally glossed over Notre Dame's history in favor of Camp Randall. Hey, and now you're hey trying now. to bring history hey into now. it. I needed to make my argument, okay? <laughs> we have always made it known that this is not about consistency. I love that giant scoreboard and the big building on the, in, the, in the end zone for Texas. I can't stand the asymmetrical stands. Right when you have oh, I didn't even that, notice that the upper deck on one side and you don't have anything on the other, that messes with me so hard. And I, you know this by now, I have a thing for stadiums that look like academic buildings that's so collegiate and so college football to me. Oklahoma State nailed it, and it's all the way this around. It's beautiful. not just one building at the end of the at the end of the end zone. That is all the way around. I think Oklahoma State has an amazing stadium as far as what I would look for in a college football stadium. This is dang near one of the best you can get. And I'm totally on board with what Twitter voted here. 
All right, man. I got no argument against it. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Oklahoma State. Boone Pickens. That feels insane. Yet again, another upset because how can we leave Texas behind? But Boone much Pickens like, it is. Hey, very much like this. Yeah. All right. So next matchup <laughs> of the day, we do have uh, the Rose Bowl up against Kinnick Stadium. That is UCLA versus Iowa. And social media did go with the Rose Bowl here. Uh, what do you think? So I think a lot of people in the Rose Bowl because the Rose Bowl does have a very rich history. The problem is most of that history isn't because of UCLA. Most of that history is actually due to their crosstown rivals, USC, their cross-conference rivals in Stanford, and Ohio State and Michigan uh, playing in, oh, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I can't blame the stadium for that, though. You're not wrong. I'm I'm explaining things out. That being said, I am finding reasons to vote for Iowa here because I love their their beginning of the fourth quarter tradition there. Uh, mm-hmm. Waving to the kids in the children's hospital, uh, them waving back. That's that's absolutely fantastic. Um. This is a tough one, man. I personally am going to lean Iowa if only carried by that tradition. Uh, I want to make sure that's known. Even if you disagree with me and you move on the Rose Bowl, I want to put that out there, that that tradition is that awesome, that for me it'll carry this on. Yeah, uh, the Rose Bowl's moving on then. So let me explain what's up with this. The tradition is great. Here's legitimate truth to me, and I know this is going to sound awful. To me, that tradition gets canceled out by the tradition of like the rose parade and all that stuff that is so awesome in its own right that right, you so, kind of you kind of have to take the traditions then out of it and just so, let's look at the architecture of the stadium so let's so again my my argument there is this is greater greatest power five plus five stadiums not greatest bowl stadiums i i'm just don't care uh this this is a power five stadium and it's entrenched in the history of the power five just as much if not more than most stadiums in the world i don't want to get it i don't want to negate it for being all mostly out of the the rose bowl but i don't want to give it props for it either in the rose parade so i won't even talk about that i I, I, that's kind of what i'm saying though let's leave those things out of it for this discussion because it's so hard to kick iowa out when we're talking about waving to kids with cancer (laughs) That'll beat. So let's be real here and let's talk about the stadium itself. Like straight up. The architecture at Iowa at Kinnick Stadium. I hate it. All right. Yeah, it's good. You it see is how it's lopsided. If you look at that top picture here for Kinnick Stadium, you can see it's kind of a the end zones come up and then it's a half bowl. Yeah. But then one side is disconnected from the rest of the stands. How does that make any sense? It looks disgusting. I can't stand it. It's also very lopsided. At the very least, do what some of these other stadiums have done and have that giant press box if you want to, but add an upper deck to the other side to balance out the way your stadium looks. That would help your stadium immensely. The exterior... But But they can't do that because if they do that, then they block out the hospital. Right. Right. So the architecture is hurt. Right. And the exterior of the stadium 
come on. The Rose Bowl is iconic for that exterior architecture. Those pillars are incredible looking. You can recognize them from anywhere. That Rose Bowl sign on the front is so awesome. And Iowa here looks like a regular ass building. It doesn't even look like a college no, campus like, building. It looks like a Texas high school stadium. The Rose Bowl has to move on here. It is the better You're not stadium. Wrong. I knew where this was going. I just had to put up an argument. <laughs> it's not good enough. You, Rose Bowl's moving on. So that does it for our matchups today. And uh, we have four more matchups we will need your help voting on. This week, we went with Twitter every single time. So your votes do matter. It does <laughs> contrary, matter. Contrary to popular belief last week. Uh, so this next matchups, you will see the next four matchups you will see on Twitter. Uh, we have Texas A&M versus University of Louisville. That's Kyle Field versus Cardinal Stadium. And then we have the University of Minnesota versus USC, Huntington Bank Stadium versus LA Memorial Coliseum. Um, wow. what a That's going to be a tough matchup. Because I feel like Minnesota skated by on the skin of their teeth last round, and now they're going against the Coliseum, dude. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, the third matchup is Neyland Stadium versus Jones AT&T Stadium. That's University of Tennessee versus Texas Tech. And then the final matchup next week will be Jordan Hare versus Razorback Stadium. That's Auburn versus Arkansas. SEC West matchup. And a pretty good one at that. Two pretty traditional stadiums. And it should be a good conversation. So stay tuned for that next week. Please vote in our polls on Twitter. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Tug to wrap us up. Oh, God. My house is so hot right now, and I don't know why. <laughs> I am sweating. Uh, no, for real, I thought, thought I think we covered all our bases here, man. I've got nothing much to add on the day. Uh, do you have any parting shots before I go through the links here? Um. No, I'm good. All right. Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, we have our, a ton of our links. If you're watching this today with us, uh, you've seen them scrolling across the bottom. Uh, if, you're our, if you are our audio listeners, I will read them off to you now, but I will also attach them in the description below. All right. We have our Patreon, patreon.com slash Football, facebook.com slash Football, twitter.com slash Football. Instagram.com slash BDT underscore football. Got to get you somewhere. Our website, BDTfootball.com, <laughs> and our email mailbox at BDTfootball.com. Hit us up anywhere. Join our polls on Twitter, on Facebook. We love getting your votes. Uh, hell, they're even on Instagram. So uh, just join us here. And then, hey, if you're looking for us to watch us, you got us at Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash BDTfootball. Uh, slash big dudes in the trenches. No, nah, you're right. Slash big dudes yep. in the trenches. We yep. have that one all it's spelled important. out. It's important. It is. It is. Oh, I mean, I have a terrible joke. Do you want a joke? Because I have a terrible one. Go for it. All right, man. Hey, could you imagine if every celebrity had a name like Bill Nye the Science Guy? Are you talking about Jeffrey Dahmer the People Nomer? Yes. <laughs> Dude, I saw that today and I lost my mind. That's I'm been glad around to for see- a while, but I'm glad you saw it finally, so that's good. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, that's clearly all the time we have on the show today. 
Thanks for listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win in the trenches. (laughs) 